Hello, and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Personal finance expert and award-winning author Robin Tabb joins us on the program today. The former chartered professional accountant discusses how advisors can engage with the next generation of investors and the importance of financial education. Robin says young adults are struggling to save and the effects of social media have exasperated it. Financial education can start at home at an early age. She suggests involving your children in conversations about money and finances, and most importantly, track your kids' spending habits early on. Robin offers tips on how financial advisors can tailor their communication with the next generation and spark their interest in financial education. Use social media and other platforms cater to the younger generation and speak about their needs and goals and focus on younger clients. Don't count out young people who are building up their wealth, including millennials and the Gen Y group. This podcast was recorded on August 22nd, 2023. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada, ULC, or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Hey, Robin. Thanks, Welcome Pamela. back. Thank you. How's your summer been? Great. Good. Thank you. Good. We're not at the end yet. No. No. There's still time. Let's enjoy it. <laughs> Let's enjoy it. But we will talk about sort of kids getting ready for, for what they need to launch into. So Let's go through, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll weave in your five pillars for investing, but I think it's so crucial to understand the, the downside, the risks of not having young people well-educated. Right. There, there are, I mean, there's, there's genuine consequences. Yes, if we don't teach our kids about money, they will definitely pay the price. But as parents, we may too. So for children, they'll be lacking a basic life skill and that could lead to financial struggles down the road and financial challenges. They could also start to form bad habits, like living beyond their means that are difficult to break as they get older. And second, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, money stress is the number one source of stress right now. At levels double, those for work, personal relationships, and health. And financial stress can lead to physical health problems like heart disease, high blood pressure, and mental health problems like depression and anxiety. So we really do want to spare our kids from that. And then as parents, if we don't teach them, we may have to support them financially. And many Canadians can't afford to. Or if they do, it will jeopardize their own financial futures. Because, of course, everyone asks the question, what if you live till 100? What, mm -hmm. what kind of money will you need to have for saved for yourself? And if kids are involved in that because you're supporting that, it's a whole different calculation. Isn't exactly, it? Yeah. exactly. So, I mean, what do you find in your discussions when you speak with others in your research mm -hmm. about how well financial education is taught? What what is sort of the level mm -hmm. of literacy? Right. So there, you know, there is some research that shows that Canadians have good levels of financial knowledge and capability, 
But what we're also seeing is that parents are having trouble in their role. So there was actually a recent study from uh, one of the big banks, and it found that 66% of parents didn't feel highly confident in their children's current financial knowledge. Mm -hmm. 70% um, didn't feel prepared to support their children's financial literacy at home, and only 29% were having conversations about finances weekly with their children. So parents are struggling with this. Um, as a population, we're doing okay, but not great in terms of financial literacy. So as advisors, you know, the people tuning in today, they have a really important role to play and an opportunity to help their clients with this really important issue. And does it, do you find, I mean, financial advisors are you're all listening mm -hmm. to this. There, there used to be sort of that story of the shoemakers, you know, kids have no shoes or, or, <laughs> or someone would be a doctor and they're so busy in their career, genuinely, that maybe they don't notice their kid has the flu or, you know, there yeah. is sort of that, that thing. So mm -hmm. it's, it's an interesting question to ask of financial advisors, if that's something, because you mentioned weekly, you know, to support financial literacy at, at home. home. What, what does that mean really? Right. So that means talking about it regularly, not making money a taboo topic at home, because right. a lot of parents are uncomfortable talking about money, whether it's because they have a little and they're not doing a good job or because they have a lot and they don't know how much information to share about that. So you reference at the top um, the five pillars of money yeah, that I let's often to talk about. Okay. So those are what those are the topics that parents should be covering with their kids, and those five are earn, save, spend, share, and invest. And you can weave these topics into your day-to-day -day lives, looking for what I call teachable moments, yeah. and they will crop up. As you know, right now, as you're going back to school, you mentioned textbooks. Um, as you're shopping for things like that, you can talk about comparison shopping, getting value for your money. What are some you know ways you can save on textbooks? Can you buy used or borrow? Just right. there's always going to be examples in your day-to-day -day lives. Right. And I mean, so let's go through sort of what's appropriate at different ages. Um, again, a lot of financial advisors will will have gone through this, but I'm curious how young it starts because probably. Mm -hmm a lot of financial um, advice comes when kids are a bit older, right? I mean, it's not gonna come when they're sort of 12 necessarily. So, correct, especially investing advice or the right. way we think of investing. So I, I recommend parents uh, start talking to their kids about money and teaching them as early as five. But um, I think in terms of the advisor's role, we're talking about older children. So starting to form that relationship with the next generation, probably we're talking about children, adult children yeah. in their 20s, or even maybe as young as 18, because as you know, that's the age at which you can open a TFSA and the new FHSA, which I hear is doing extremely well. Lots of accounts, uh, lots of those FHSAs are being opened. So for those older children, uh, older teens and 20s, there is an opportunity to talk to them about investing because I'm sure most of the advisors don't want this generation thinking investing is meme stocks. Yeah. Oh, you just have to buy a meme stock and you're set. That is not sure. investing. So there's a lot, a lot to learn. Some some kids are learning about this in school. Yeah, and, for they, example. and that is sort of come well. back almost in a way, hasn't it? It was gone for a period of time. I understand uh, it's being weaved in a bit more. I don't think it was ever gone. For example, in Ontario, it's been um, integrated into the curriculum since 2011. Mm -hmm. But now there's also standalone courses like grade nine math, grade 10 careers in Ontario, in BC, there's planning 10 that's been around for a really long time. So they are, kids are learning this at home, which I think a lot of people aren't aware. Yeah. But as I said, a lot of parents, you know, 70%, 
don't feel prepared to support this at home. And I think they need support from somewhere else, like their advisors. Okay, fascinating. So do you prioritize financial education with your own kids or, you know, and so, mm -hmm. I mean, personally, because I'm an accountant by training, as is my husband, we, this was a natural conversation in our house with our two kids when they were growing up. And I, you mentioned your father was an advisor. So yeah, a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. But so, he, he was the classic shoemaker's kid. He didn't really talk <laughs> about it. We didn't know what he did. It was all right. a mystery. Um, that's why I'm just curious, like yeah. to what extent it is an ongoing conversation. So that's, that's it really, really needs to be because those five topics that I mentioned, they never change. They are the five pillars of money for a reason. But it's the specific topics and examples within each of the five of earn, save, spend, share and invest that change as your kids get older because you want to make sure you're sharing age appropriate information always. So let's go, let's begin with, with how things might change. We're, we're going to fold in a few acronyms that are much more today, but how they fit into the five pillars. And as you say, things change when kids are at different stages. Well, mm -hmm. this has come out of a pandemic. It's sort of a new world in yes. a lot of ways. Yeah, People have different attitudes. What, what do you do with the idea of you don't, you don't want to sort of miss out on either spending or miss out on investing. That's something that we talk about a lot for really any investor. Mm -hmm. But how does it sort of mm -hmm. filter through to kids that maybe don't want to miss out maybe on spending. Maybe that's part yeah, of what they FOMO, don't want to miss out. Exactly, FOMO, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, like, you got to live the sort of YOLO side of right. things. That's got to always be there. Is that new or? No, I mean, FOMO, which is the fear of missing out, isn't new. It's a, there's always been a keeping up with the Joneses kind sure. of thing. Uh, and YOLO being you'll only live once. There's always been that pressure to keep up with people and to keep up appearances. But I think for this younger generation who've grown up with social media, the pressure is so much more intense. So we've always been exposed to, to traditional media and messages that try to convince you that they're your wants or needs. But for this generation, they're online all the time. Now you have social commerce, so you've got the ability to purchase built right into these addictive apps. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard. Our kids are constantly bombarded with this. And we're trying to teach them to save, mm -hmm. to prioritize saving, and then they're getting all these messages to spend. And if you, can, if you can't save, then you can't invest. So yeah, it's a really tricky thing. I mean, even for a lot of parents too, you know, that yeah. do you end up spending more, you know, more than they, they, they ought can. to. Yeah. 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 And, and sort of, um, what exactly ultimately are you, are you sort of, yeah, it's a bad uh, habit to, save for. to live yeah. beyond your means. It really is. It's not sustainable. So what would you say? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about hurdles for people maybe in their 20s starting to save is is housing. It's a big discussion, yes. obviously, in this country. It's a big discussion actually everywhere. We have an interest rate story where things are going straight up, maybe leveling out here. But it's expensive and there are lots of young people that I've I mean, it, it just seems like it's not even in the stratosphere of what they're going to be able to afford, even with a good job. Yeah, like some people have given up on home ownership as a goal. Yeah. Um, yes, how does housing affordability um, is at critical levels right now, just because prices were already high after COVID. And now with interest rates, mortgage rates, are, we're seeing levels we haven't seen in like 20 years. So it's really expensive for first time buyers and people who already own a home are probably, and they have a mortgage at the old lower rates are not motivated to move right. because they're gonna end up having to refinance at much higher rates. So as a result, you're also seeing the rental market 
being extremely expensive and a lot of young people start off in the rental market. For sure. So someone else's mortgage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that's that's the way it works. So yeah, so, so it's, it's tough. And then inflation. Inflation. Okay. So are the, would you say those are the two? So let maybe not an 18 year old, but someone who's got a job, they're, they're putting money mm-hmm. aside. Is are those sort of the two biggest hurdles? The fact I think those are the two biggest expenses right now is yeah. housing and just cost of living. Like the food costs have gone up, right. entertainment, like your your you know non discretionary things like food, gas, like stuff like that. Um, but your discretionary expenses as well, like restaurant meals. I'm sure you've seen are oh, yeah. very expensive. Um, concert tickets, entertainment, like everything is at these elevated levels, and I. Even though inflation is now more like 3%, uh, last time I was here in April, it was like 6%. Like, that's great that it's down, but it's still, prices are still high and it's, you know, prices are still going up at 3%. They're yeah. just not going up at 6%. So it's really tough to make ends meet, to balance it all out. So on the education side of things, so this is what um, financial advisors are talking about. This is perhaps what their clients are talking yeah. about with their kids. What's, what's the other piece of that? Where, where is the financial education that, that is, you know, not just coming from around the kitchen table? What, what do they yeah, need like to do? Yeah, like more formal. Yeah. Okay, so as I mentioned, financial literacy is being taught in school. So I would encourage yeah. parents, advisors to ask these, you know, this next generation, what are you learning about money in school? Maybe they're going to yeah. say nothing. Right. <laughs> right. But maybe they, they are doing something that is going to stick with them. Um, you know, they are trying to teach relevant topics that are um, important for that stage, like in grade nine and 10, you're talking about planning for post-secondary. They're telling them what a mortgage is. Like they are trying to make sure that they're learning things that are gonna be useful to them. So check in on that. Um, I think though, there are so many great options for self-teaching. You know, I'm sure a lot of the advisors here, the, the institutions that they're with offer education some of most of it is i've seen a lot of good free resources and there are also more robust um, learning resources out there for uh, let's say high net worth families who have children who are going to be beneficiaries and they're concerned about them being um, you know responsible inheritors Mm -hmm. and good stewards of wealth so there's even more you know robust learning out there for for that but you know, you can, there's podcasts, there's YouTube videos, there's, um, I think a lot of advisors are starting to compile these resources on a knowledge center or or some kind of digital platform that they can share with their clients and their clients' children. Because this generation, the way they learn is different. You know, they Mm -hmm. want stuff that's snackable, Mm -hmm. that's short. They want videos and infographics, not necessarily long blog articles. They like to listen to podcasts. Um, they want entertainment with their education. Sure. Um, one funny video we came across recently was about mental accounting. And it, it was under the name of uh, sort of like girl mental math. math. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Was, they call it girl math, which is a bit unfortunate. But it's yeah. a very funny video. It went viral about some of the games we play, um, the way we try to trick ourselves when we're spending money. Like if you pay in cash, is it free? So just those kind of videos, like they resonate because they're fun. And you, and you no one's going to take that seriously as financial advice. It's more like what you shouldn't be doing. Right. But, but like, there's an awareness. Yeah. It builds yeah. awareness. It's entertaining. You're learning, you know, while you're having fun. Um, and then, you know, you always have to share information that is relevant to their life stage and the decisions that they're facing. So how much of everything, regardless, I guess, of at any stage, is, is the beginning tracking your spending? I mean, is that, is that sort of where you... That's a you, key habit. Is that where you begin? I think that generally? is one of the, yeah, one really important step because, as I said, I'm an accountant. 
you know, the numbers don't lie. Right. And now all the big banks have these tracking to yeah. tools built right into their online banking. So it's not like it's hard to do. It will do no. it for you. You just have to look at it and categorize it. And from there, you can create budgets and you can stay on top of your money in real time. Like it will tell you you're approaching your budget or you've gone over. So I think those tracking tools are the easiest way to, to know where your money's really going and to start budgeting. So yes, I and agree. And for kids who have, you know, a junior account of whatever sort, they can yes. just get going on that. A youth themselves. account. Yeah. Youth account and I mean, maybe for a, like a, someone who doesn't quite have like all the features of mobile banking yet, um, and they're younger, like a preteen, they still, they still, it's still good to have an awareness of where their money's going. Because even at that age, they may have a debit card with this youth, youth account. They're out on their own. They're spending. Yeah. So you need to look at it. At least go into your account and look at like, okay, here's what I've bought. Here's where my balance is. Just like you have to look at their social media. It's a yeah. lot to look at. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, it's I important bet. though. It's a lot, yeah. a lot of things to get in there. Okay, Robin, so should advisors bring kids into the meetings? Yes, yes, and yeah. yes. Okay. So I think there was some research that, that found that um, only one in five clients have brought their kids to a meeting, even though more than half said they'd be willing to make that introduction. Mm -hmm. So yes, encourage your clients to bring their older kids in. Yeah. And okay, what's older? Ask, what's older? Again, I would say probably like 18 and up when they're old enough to open an investment account. But even the younger ones, um, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've done talks for parents where it's really that the parent is the audience, but they've brought their younger kids along, to, you know, because maybe they didn't have a babysitter yeah. and they're, they're going to learn, they're going to pick up a few things. Exactly. So I would say, you know, ideally it's when they're 18 and older, but you can also speak to the younger ones. Uh, some, okay, perfect. So other great questions. Um, my clients uh, do want me to talk to their kids mm -hmm. ultimately about finance, but what will it take uh, to kind of keep them engaged? So, okay, you have a conversation, right. perhaps you take them out for lunch or you, you know, agreed and, and maybe it's awkward, maybe it's not, because it's hard to talk to, you yeah. know, yeah. people about maybe things the parents that join maybe. you. How do you sort of keep that rolling? Any tips? I think structured education could be the answer to that. Okay. So if there's a structured program where they're going through different lessons or different modules, it's building on itself, you right. know, and the learning is, is, is uh, accumulating as as they go through it. And then you can have regular check-ins. You can be that, you can be available to answer questions that they may have about a specific topic. Mm -hmm. um, I have some good resources for about courses like that on my website if people are interested in checking out robintobe.com. Okay. But I think structured learning can be really helpful. Um, you know, just maybe scheduling regular get-togethers. Yeah. Like maybe it's when you have your client meetings, however frequently that is, Maybe every other one you ask to have the kids join. I mean, kids are on school schedules, so it can be a little tricky, but yeah. you can also do Zoom, right? Yeah. Because you can fit that that's that very, um, that's become the norm now. And I think young people, they're not used to doing everything in person the way older generations are. They actually prefer. Or at least um, initially. You might something. even check in, check in by text. Yep. Like a lot of, you know, as you know, that generation loves loves texting. So maybe you have to start talking. texting. Yeah. Yeah. And not using their phones for talking, but yeah, check in with them in different ways, different forms. So this, this is a great question. It goes back to housing as sort of yeah. the backdrop. So would you recommend that adult children who are living with parents to save, mm -hmm. um, or, or do you actually think that it makes them feel a bit out of place amongst their peers to, to be, be living doing in that? Like what, where's that balance? It's, I think it's every situation is going to be unique. So some, and it depends how much money you're making, where you're living, how much rent you're paying. Do you have roommates? Yep. Are you living on your own? Like how much of 
of uh, your take-home pay, your net pay is being eaten up by housing. Some people feel like they want to accelerate that saving. I mean, especially with this FHSA, it's $8,000 sure. um, per year, up to 40,000 cumulative. So maybe they just want to like pack that in yeah. and get it in there for a get year. Get it in there and, something. Yeah. and live at home for a while. It's not such a big deal. Also, it's not gonna be an option for everyone. Mm -hmm. If you have a job and, and you have to be in person and your parents don't live in that same city or town or whatever, you, you don't, you know, you have to rent a place right. or live on your own. But if you have that option and um, you know it works out in the family dynamics, it's a really fast, a great way to like fast track your yeah. savings. Yeah, to fast track your savings for sure. Okay, so what? Is, another question: What is the best way to get the word out um, beyond existing clients? So yeah, you, you've to got, attract the yeah. next generation. Yeah, so yeah. not going through sort of your clients' kids necessarily, but but you know, yeah, attracting. I understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, I mean, I think advisors. Yeah want to think about if their older clients are retiring and entering into the drawdown phase of, yeah. uh, of their investing. And they ha if they want to continue to grow their book of business, they got to look to you know the clients that are building wealth now. And that's probably sure. the millennials, the Gen Ys. So again, some of the ways that we discussed already, like make the content like short for shorter attention spans, more entertaining, yeah. tailored to like content marketing, really, that is tailored to their stages of life so i mean even though we're seeing some of these milestones delayed millennials are mostly looking at buying homes getting married yeah. having kids doing some estate planning perhaps if they have children like a will yeah. um, so connecting with them over financial literacy or financial education even if they're not your clients already i think that can really set you apart showing that you care you want to um, help them mm -hmm. um, and I think some advisors find it to be rewarding to, to teach and to um, bring their clients up because I think it can lead to more informed discussions and conversations. And I think it can also lead to referrals right. if clients are really happy with that extra bit of attention and advice. Is there, are there downsides to having the kids know too much about their parents' wealth? Well, there can be so in you know we're if we're talking about like high net worth or ultra high net worth families, yeah. um, that question does come up like how much should we share about the family assets, family wealth, and at what point? And the 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 potential problems are that um, you know wealth, as you know, means financial security, but can also disincentive disincentivize uh, your kids to right. uh, find purpose or meaning in their life and work. So I think that's the biggest fear, is that if they grow up with a lot of money or they know there's a lot coming, that they won't um, find their purpose. And everyone needs that. Everyone needs that why, their purpose. So, you know, one, um, some advice is to not transfer significant assets during the career building years. Yeah. So that's not to have that happen. I mean, you know, money can also uh, lead to an unearned sense of accomplishment or fear of failure in, in uh, the next generation. So you have to know your child, how mature they are, how financially mature they are, and know when is the right time to start having those more open, transparent conversations. Again, advisors play such a crucial role because yeah. it's sensitive. It's, uh, it's really important to have these conversations. I think the parents know their own kids best as to when to start, but I think the advisors can play such an important role as an unbiased um, you know, trusted advisor. Yeah, really interesting. And and perhaps whatever spark is lit, then 
I mean, then would you say one of the stages is some kind of formal financial education, like a course of some sort? Yes. Again, or as I mentioned my earlier, dad maybe do the CSE before I right. wanted to. But anyway, right. it was very helpful. Yeah, very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we all encourage our kids to do things that they the don't time, want to. But there you go. It yes, was a good I, I thing. did the same thing with my son. <laughs> I mean, you have to know your children. Um, you know, my son didn't study uh, investing in school. He studied philosophy and political science. So I actually did encourage him to do a value investing course. Yeah. My daughter is a CPA and she's doing her CFA. So I'm not like forcing her to yeah. do a lot of learning. She's, she's as we speak, like sitting there with her cue card. She's writing in like two weeks. Oh my gosh, good so, luck, good luck, good luck. So yeah, so you have to know your own kids. But I do think that advisors can help curate these these courses or this more formal education. Uh, you know, see what your institution offers. There's also outside you know, things that you might have to, uh, your client may have to pay to, to, to attend or to do, but there are so many ways for this to, to be um, a priority. So what do you hear from kids? What do kids say about all this? I'm sure there's an absolute range, but just give us a little bit of a tasting of, you know, those, how many of them are really excited to learn about this? I'm about sure money? there's some. I'm sure there's some. Yeah, I mean, all, a lot of it goes to personality, to yeah. hardwired personality. And I hear this from parents all the time. Oh my God, my kid is such a saver. Right. I don't have to tell them to do anything. They, they don't want to spend any of their money. And, and they, they just fold save, their save, underwear save. and put it away too, Probably. right? Yeah. Awesome. And I think um, <laughs> that goes to be, you know, uh, there's personality traits, like these big five personality traits. And I think some do um, map onto how you behave with money and whether you're very conscientious and you, you know, you save in a disciplined way. Um, and then other kids, you know, they tell me that their parent, their kids are, sorry, other parents tell me their kids are like spenders and it's just their natural personality that they want to spend, spend their money and they have to really like get them to create a budget and to rein it in. So you have to know your own child and work within their personality. But I think, I think kids are interested in money because at, at the end of the day, it's a basic life skill right. and they know and they probably hear their parents talking about what's going on and whether things are good or bad and as they get to be you know preteens and they're a little more independent like they know they need money to do things yeah. to get out in the world and actually do things and experience things so i think they are really interested it's just a way you have to engage them at their level with topics that they're, you know, you're not going to start talking to a, a preteen about retirement saving. They're just mm -hmm. going to glaze over. Right. So you are explaining compounding at the right time. Is yeah. Like that's yeah. a hugely <laughs> that's important topic because the, the earlier they start, right. you know, you want to save early and often their money can really grow. So things like that are perfect because it really motivates them. And you know, all you have to do is show them a chart. Yeah. And there's one in my book that shows like if you start early and you put away a certain amount every, you know, month, yeah. It will really grow. So I think they, they do get it. Um, and some kids are just naturally entrepreneurial. Um, any thoughts on whether they get money for chores or not? I love this debate with <laughs> I know, everyone loves this, this question. question. Yeah, so I, I the, like to hear. the reason that, yeah, that comes up a lot yeah. is because some parents want their kids to do their chores out of a sense of family responsibility and pull their weight. Uh, Whereas other parents really want their kids to, to experience what it takes to earn money. You know, they have to do something in exchange 
for that. So what I like to suggest is a hybrid model. Okay. So pay your kids basic, basic small allowance so that they can experience managing money mm -hmm. and making these choices that we talked about, like the five pillars. So they've earned an allowance and now they have to decide how they want to save or how much to save, spend, share and invest. And then if, uh, if they want to earn more, then if there's things around the house that you would have to pay someone to do, right. then offer for them to do that or they can babysit or things like that that are age appropriate jobs. To, awesome. to earn more. That's so great. Okay, one, we're going to squeeze this in. We're okay. almost, oh, no, I think, actually, you Are know what, out? you answered. It's about schools and the role that they play, and you've actually, you kind of already. Yeah, uh, yeah. we actually created a map on LinkedIn. So if you're interested, you can check out my LinkedIn. I showed a map of Canada and all the different courses that are being taught in all the provinces and territories. That's brilliant. Thank you. Pleasure. Rob, what's the name of your book? The Wisest Investment. Okay. All right. We'll look that up too. Okay. Robin Tab. Thank pleasure you. Pleasure to see you. Happy end of summer. Enjoy Thanks, the last Pamela. few rays of sunshine. I love your shirt, by the way. Same. Okay. Great to see Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. Fidelity mutual funds and ETFs are available by working with a financial advisor or through an online brokerage account. Visit fidelity.ca slash how to buy for more information. While visiting fidelity.ca, you can also find information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. See you next time.